The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Voice America welcomes you to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Now, here's the host and CEO of PR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. Good morning, everybody. Today, I have to say, after doing about, I don't know, 3,000 shows, 2,000 shows over the last seven years, this is a subject matter that I really know nothing about. So I was fascinated when a common friend told me about Luis Monero, um, who is really very respected and has been practicing the science of out-of-body experiences for quite some time. So I'm going to ask a lot of questions and I'm going to let my guests do most of the talking because I'm fascinated with the subject matter. I know that this is all, um, you know, practiced and very, very popular, and I want to know more about it. So I'm going to give the stage to do, to you, Luis. Welcome. Good morning. Welcome. Thank you, Cindy. It's a pleasure. I am very, very excited to hear about you. I have to say at the top of your bio, just so that my guests, listener, my, my listeners know this, is that um, you, you actually graduated with honors in, in chemistry from Florida International University. And um, so you, you know, you really do know the, the mix of traditional science and alternative science. Am I correct? Yes, yes, that's correct. Uh, <laughs> many people ask me, how did I go from, from uh, chemistry or more conventional science, you know, into out-of-body experience? But really there is no... Uh, uh, it follows very easily because it's something that, um, you know, you don't lose your logic the moment that you are outside the body. You can really keep all your, your discernment and all of your awareness as you are outside. Well, what made you, what got you interested in this? Because I know that you were practicing, um, you know, the out-of-body um, experience and, and the phenomenons associated with it. Um, really, before college, right? I mean, since you were very young. Yeah, indeed. Really, what occurred with me in my, my specific cases that I started having them when I was 12. Um, and at the beginning, I really didn't know if there was a name to them, uh, if other people did them, or if everybody did them. I just had them spontaneous, involuntarily. I didn't have, you know, a lot of them, but uh, certainly I I did, and I remember even as a teenager, sometimes I would go to bed and lie down thinking, I hope I have that, I guess, like, cool type of experience. I really didn't know what to, how to name them. And uh, it wasn't until I was maybe about 16 or 17 that I read the first book on out-of-body experiences. And uh, after maybe, 
when I was 21 or 22 that I met my friends and then I started really getting into the subject and understanding, you know, the techniques and how to produce them and, you know, developing more the, the skill. Mm, no, it's um, so you, you know, it kind of happened involuntarily and then you learn that you could actually share um, that it could become quite academic and it, that you could you could really share the positive effects with others. Exactly, exactly, and that and that you can and that people can nurture it because uh, nowadays, you know, we we give classes all over the world and we help people basically to develop their skill as well as to study the phenomena. You know, um, how does it work? Who is it? Is it for? You know, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Right now, do you have a new book out? And that's why I, you, you know I know that you go around the world speaking quite a lot about OBE. Um, you know, and that you're affiliated with the International Academy of Consciousness. Um, but, you know, you have a new book that's out, am I correct? Yes, that's right. The, the, the name of the book is Demystifying the Art of Party Experiences. And uh, part of the reason for the title, now that you were asking me about uh, academia and things, is because, you know, the, the information on Art of Party Experiences for centuries, really, in this Western Hemisphere has belonged to groups that were a little bit more more secluded, more occult, more hermetic, and, and more mystic to a certain extent. It was something that was very, uh, or, or not, not, as, not known as well, and then the idea is precisely to try to study it almost as if we were studying any other form of study, as, as studying biology or nutrition, so in a very realistic, very direct fashion, and, uh, you know, without legends or, you know, mystical aspects, I guess. Well, I mean, I, I, you know, I would think that there's always sort of a mysticism that, you know, goes along with it, but tell me why, what, what takes the mysticism out of it? Well, you know, uh, many times uh, throughout history, it, uh, you know, and in different cultures, each culture tends to have, I don't know, its, folk- its folkloric aspects or its rituals or its legends behind uh, behind what that happens. And then what we see is that really it's a, it's a capacity that we can develop, uh, more or less like learning how to read, that, you know, at some moment in our life we dedicated some time to this, we learned the capacity, now the capacity is ours, and we can use it, um, you know, however, however we see fit, and we can go to any bookstore, to any library, and really are free to pick what we want to read, because now we have the capacity. And, uh, and then the, the use of the capacity also doesn't depend necessarily, for example, on what we're wearing or what are the objects that are around us or uh, if we're wearing a funny hat or not, um, et cetera, et cetera. But it's really more the, the skill, the, the ability. And then uh, the same thing happens here with the out-of-body experience after the person, you know, um, trains and develops certain skills with energy and certain skills in concentration, you know, the person is able to produce the out-of-body experience, and then, you know, now we can do it in uh, very different uh, settings. So would you, do you have to be in a, you could be in any environment, or do you suggest when you go to the center, for example, do people meet in groups? What what happens when a person walks into the international um, 
Alternative Conscious Center. Did I say that right? Academy of <laughs> yes. Consciousness. International Academy of Consciousness. Yes, when you walk into a center, what do you see? What does a person expect? Yeah, when when the person comes in, they're going to see a classroom, of course, uh, and then the classes are both theoretical and practical. So in the in the theoretical part, we're talking about you know all the details of the out of body experience, like for example, what are the sensations when you're leaving the body? Some of some of these sensations are are a little different, and then it's good for the person to have the information so that they don't become surprised or startled the moment that this is happening, and so that they're able to, you know, allow the process to, to continue. Uh, so there are many discussions that are more theoretical, and then we have the practical classes, where basically we are, um, one, you know, working with, with energies or bioenergies, the, the energetic system where, you know, concepts like the chakras and, you know, the basis of acupuncture come into play, but we can learn to control this on our own, and then um, techniques on out-of-body experiences, and they are based on, on self-control. Some of them are based on imagination, some of them are based on breathing, some, are, some of them are based on concentration. Uh, there are really different types of techniques that people can learn. And it is good, actually, for them to know several or different ones because um, sometimes what we see is that what works well for one person doesn't necessarily work well for the other one. We're very individualized. So um, as the person learns, for example, 10, 15, they're going to find the one that works better for them. And um, so when they come in, they're going to see a classroom. They're going to see also other people. We we get students from all kinds of walks of life, some that are very academic or well-educated, other people that uh, have read a lot, other people that came in here dragged in by the person sitting next to them. And they all, you know, can uh, can certainly learn the, the ability, can learn to have the out-of-party experiences. Oh, it sounds so. And then I'm sure that you have your workshop kind of situations where you're not in an academic setting. Am I correct? Again, I have no point of reference since I've never been. So you have to kind of share and talk me through. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I I would say the the classes we always we we always give a few academic or more scientific even uh, references and research. But really, most of the people that come in, they are interested in developing their skill. Certainly. Now, we also have, so those classes are probably the ones that don't go as much into the more scientific details, if we can put it that way. Now, what we have also is we have a research campus with laboratories where we do do most of the the research and where more the academic aspect happens. And uh, we have a specific laboratory that is called the Projectarium. This is actually in, in Portugal. And the word projectarium, what it means is the specialized lab or the specialized place for producing projections outside the body. So we're going to take commercial break. Um, we're going to come back with Luis Monero. We're talking about his book, Demystifying OBE. For more information, you could go to the website, learnobes.com. Don't go away. Stand by. Find out which guests are being featured this week. Read our network press releases and read the blog posts from your favorite hosts. 
Go to iradioblog.com today. Powered by the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Very rarely does our news media spotlight some of the good things that are happening in our world. For more of these good stories and the people that are creating them, tune in to Bread for the Journey with Mariana Cacciatore. Whether these good acts stem from personal tragedy or just a desire to help out and make this a better world in which to live, you'll find inspiration in every week's program. Connect with those that are doing something great for a change. Listen for Bread for the Journey, Saturdays at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Welcome back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. If you have a question or comment, call in at 1-866-472-5788. Now, back to the show. Here's Cindy Rakowitz. We're back and we're talking about um, out-of-body experiences and we are talking to Luis Monero. Luis, I'm sorry that we kind of um, encountered a Skype problem in the last segment, but um, I think that we were talking about the practical science of out-of-body or theory of out-of-body experience and the actual you know, workshops, and you were talking about, um, you know, you you were in the midst of talking about what goes on there. So you could continue from there. I also want to say that Louise has written a book called Demystifying um, Out-of-Body Experience, and you could go to the website learnobes.com, that's O-B-E, plural, dot com, and you could learn more about where Mr. Monero is, you know, lecturing. You could learn more about the International Academy of Consciousness. And you could also um, see a little bit about the book. So, Louise, please continue. Yes, yes. Thank you, Cindy. I, I was mentioning that uh, we, we have a research campus, the IEC does, and this is like a sort of like a university campus is located in Portugal where we do have the labs where a lot of the a lot of the research goes on and one of the main labs is called the projectarium which means the specialized place to produce projections outside the body or astral travel or unfolding or out of body experiences just because it has been known by by many names and um you know as people are doing there it's uh it's experiences 
the researchers, you know, are trying to understand all the variables of the phenomena. For example, you know, is it easier for younger people or for older people to do it? Is it easier for men or for women? If we took a medication, a vitamin or a supplement, did that specific medication help or does it hinder? Um, you know, also which technique it tends to be more effective. So basically trying to understand everything about the the ability and the, the development of the capacity. And, and part of that, uh, you know, of the conclusions and of that those studies is what we use, you know, throughout the world in our classes to uh, to help people and to teach people, you know, how to have the out-of-body experiences. And what did you find in terms of age and sex and vitamin use? I mean, are there <laughs> statistics or is it just something different for everybody? No, but, it, but there are statistics. For example, uh, it seems that most people tend to have their first and their, they're here a lot of, a lot of different aspects that we could talk about, but talking about their, their first out of body experience, most people describe and, uh, they seem to have it in two periods, one either around the puberty years, between more or less 12 to 15 or so, or, you know, between 18 and 21, more or less. And um, these are the two periods where it seems that people sometimes, for no apparent reason, they wake up outside the body or as they are sleeping but already outside the body and they become aware that they're outside the body and they are floating close to the ceiling you know and they have what we call a spontaneous experience a spontaneous out-of-body experience for no apparent reason the person recovered the awareness and you know now it is having an OBE and um, around those two ages it seems to be a little bit a little bit easier Um, also you know, when people tend to have over 65, over 70 years of old, uh, years of age, for some reason also, it also tends to be easier to have the out-of-body experiences. Not to say that when we are, you know, 40 or in the middle of our life, we cannot do it. It's just that uh, spontaneously, it seems that those ages uh, help in terms of the out-of-body experience. Oh, okay, so should people not feel hope if they didn't have an out-of-body experience when they were younger? <laughs> no, they shouldn't. They shouldn't at all. Um, you know, that's the just sort of like the natural tendency, I guess, that the human body helps at, that, at those ages. But uh, as I was mentioning, we can really develop it and we can, uh, you know, then be able to do it even in, in, in different settings, in different conditions. So, uh, so no, we, we shouldn't lose hope. <laughs> Okay, well, that's good. Well, what about dreaming? I mean, isn't dreaming sort of a natural form of an out-of-body experience? I mean, I'd be curious about that because you are in a different state of consciousness, and some of us dream very, very vividly. Yes, yes, that's that's right. And and actually, usually people who have uh, dreams or who remember them a lot and who tend to have uh, vivid dreams, some of them, sometimes they can be out of body experience, and sometimes the, the, the skill of living the body becomes facilitated. Um, the dream and the out of body experience, in and of themselves, they are, they are different states. Even though they're both alter state of consciousness, that they go beyond, obviously, our normal waking state, they are different uh, comparing themselves. 
the the dream is something that uh, seems to be more related to the to the brain itself to the reorganization of memories a big part of it not not all of it but the dream is something that is um how am I going to say that we are producing and it's to a certain extent a uh, uh, a fantasy of ourselves or of our brain, we could say. Now, what happens with the out-of-body experience is that you disconnect from the body and you can be aware and awake and see real life. And uh, as opposed to the dream, you cannot control the environment the way you can in a dream. I guess what I'm trying to say is when you are in a dream, especially if you're in a lucid dream, for example, you can decide what you are dreaming with. So in a lucid dream, if I am looking at the white wall and I want the wall to be yellow, for example, I can change the color of the wall. But when you are in an out-of-body experience, very similar to real life, you know, if I am looking at a white wall, even if I wish it to be yellow or black or blue, it doesn't change because the environment is independent to a certain extent of you being there. So you are actually experiencing a real you know, occurrence, and you can see real life. So that makes it very different from the dream. Something that um, that I would say that many people do at the beginning of their out-of-body experiences is that they usually are a little bit more interested in the um, in the issue of confirming the fact that they are having a real experience. And there are many fashions in which you can do this. You can, for example, go out and into into real life and see something occurring that you can confirm afterwards. Like, for example, you can go visit a relative that is, um, you know, in another city. And when you arrive, you find that the relative, for example, is with a very specific type of shirt, washing the dishes, doing X, Y, and Z. And then you can come back to your body and just simply call them and ask them, look, are you wearing that uh, T-shirt from this sports team, from such and such a player, and A, B, C, D, and the person will, will confirm it. So uh, because the out-of-body experience is a real experience, you can, you can have situations like that that allow you to confirm it. You, you can, and of course in this day and age, you could also like just dial them up on Skype and see whether or not they were wearing the T-shirt, right? You can, you can <laughs> confirm that afterwards, yes, that's right, through Skype so, or through phone or through text message, absolutely. You can so, certainly do that. Well, it's interesting, you know, I... I said at the beginning of the show, Luis, that um, I knew nothing about this, and that's why I was looking for a point of reference so that um, the listeners to the show could, uh, you know, could you relate know, to it. Relate to it, and it's as we spoke, and this is completely extemporaneous. Um, as a child, I remember, you know, I think that you know, I defined them as dreams because that was what we were taught to do. Right. You know, when you're five years old, you're dreaming, right? There's nothing else. But I think that there were times where I was probably having out-of-body experiences, but I didn't know what they were because I was able to manipulate the environment. And I was very, very young, but because, you know, we didn't know any rules or regulations, it was just your imagination. So, you know, if I was scared, I... You know, if it was a scary dream, I would have an imaginary projector guy, okay, film projector guy, and I would say, okay. "Hey, I would say, hey, Marty, you know, it's time to tone down the violence a little bit." And Marty would listen. Sounds kind of schizophrenic, but I think it was kind of out of body. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely, could very well be. And and you know, many of the dreams that sometimes people have, they are out of body experiences. 
Um, what occurs is that, you know, the, the ideal, the typical, the classical out of party experience when we are in it, our level of awareness is, is very high. It's basically the same level of awareness that we enjoy when we are awake. So we have the same level of logic, the same level of decision making process, the same level of control over our own abilities, the same level of memories, by the way, uh, as well. But in the, in the course of developing these classical, typical out-of-party experiences, many times we have several experiences where the level of awareness is more intermediary. It's a, the level of awareness is so-so. And then we have a mixture of dreams and OBEs. And uh, to, give you, to give you a very practical example, I don't know if you or any of our listeners right now, if they have ever had dreams where sometimes instead of fully flying and picking up altitude, we start sort of like jumping like over a mountain or over two houses or over a car, and we keep on jumping and jumping and jumping, but we don't quite, you know, stay up in the air. So uh, this is one kind. Then the other type of dream, and notice here that I'm using the word dream, mm-hmm. is sometimes when we are trying to fly, and instead again of picking up altitude, we stay very close to the ground, like swimming, like struggling to advance, maybe sometimes two or three feet off the ground, or sometimes just really at ground level, level almost like slithering, you know, at ground level. These types of dreams, for sure, are out-of-body experiences. Um, and, and the reason why I can say that is because sometimes when, when we leave the body, we, our energies and our energy system tends to split into two. And sometimes we take a lot of the energies, a lot of the dense energies or a lot of the physical energies with us in our out-of-body experience. And then we tend to be heavier and more loaded, and the level of awareness seems to be less, so it looks a little bit dreamlike. And then instead of us fully flying, it's almost as if gravity still makes certain effect on us, and then we start jumping over two houses, or we are struggling to advance, sort of like swimming at, uh, at ground level, so to speak. And, um, but, but we are outside the body. Something that uh, sometimes, I guess, gets a chuckle a little bit uh, from students is when they develop well their skills and they are outside the body, you know, aware, conscious, and lucid. And now they are standing, for example, outside of their house, and now they're able to see other people passing by swimming or jumping because they are in an, in an out-of-body experience with that, where the level of awareness is not as high and where they are loaded. So now they can see the other perspective, you know, of somebody else being in that situation. <laughs> no, that's um, it's very, very well explained. And I, you know, we've had two segments together. We'll have a couple of more, and I want to go through, you know, some of the things that are mentioned in the book outline, so we could have points of reference to the words. These words that I've never heard of before, like, um, you know, extra physical lucidity and mortho. Is it morphothocinus? Did I say? Yes, morphothocinus. Okay. I mean, these are words that I've never heard, and I, and I want to share some of your techniques matched with the chapter outline of the book in some of the next segments. If that's okay with you, we have a couple more, and I want sure. to say, I want to say again that Luis, and I'm, I'm saying Luis right. Yes? Monero? Yes, okay. Yes. Um, is the author of Demystifying 
out-of-body experience. And um, I'm looking forward to talking to you more because I want to confirm that now that you've described the sensations when a person dreams and might be having an out-of-body experience, that I've had them. But I've had them when I was very young. Um, you know, when you described the flying or, you know, the snake-like, you know, crawling, you know, in my case, I would always be in, you know, a hot air balloon kind of situation loaded to the ground where I had windows and I could see everything. So I think by the oh. way that you're describing it, it's probably what I had. And unfortunately, you know, I, I haven't been able to do that, um, at least, you know, I haven't found a point of reference to be able to do that since I've been, like, I was about, you know, a toddler, like six years old. So um, I'm looking forward to having another couple of segments with you. Don't go away to hear more from the author of Demystifying the Out-of-Body Experience. Stand by. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Get free advice from crisis communications guru Cindy Rakowitz now. Call 866-472-5788. Let's get back to Stars of PR. Here's the host and CEO of PR Public Relations, Cindy Rakowitz. We're back with... Luis Monero, and we are talking about the International Academy of Consciousness and his and his book, Demystifying the Outer Body Experience. And um, in the last two segments, I realized that I myself probably had out-of-body experiences as a child, but now we are going to talk about some of the techniques that Luis and his um, associates teach um, to help people from any age get there. Am I correct? That's, that's right, yes. We have had students, uh, well, I guess that in terms of age, as young as 9, 8, and as old as 92, I think, was that the lady that was the oldest. So, uh, yes, of any age, indeed. Okay, so, you know, when you talk about you know, mobilization of energies, um, absorption of energies, exteriorization of energies, vibrational state, um, and working with energy. 
um, you know, talk about that. I, you know, I think we covered that in the first two segments a little bit, but now we're going to get to technique. So yes, talk about that, and then we could talk, after that, we could talk about what you mean by exiting and exiting sensations and yes. anything else that you think is important. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. No, no. Indeed, indeed. Uh, you know, we have, of course, we have the physical body in the in our we have a lot of different types of systems so we also have the energetic body or the energetic system that sometimes has been referred to as the etheric body and this this body or this system is the basis of acupuncture which really has you know already has a well established field and you know many illnesses and pains and things can be cured through acupuncture which is the you know the oriental medicine so uh, I know that these types of things sometimes are not uh, taught, let's say, in high school, in classic Western education. I-, I wish I would have received this information when I was in high school as well, but uh, but it's it's not the most common thing. It, it pertains more to the eastern, to the eastern, I guess, hemisphere. And then this system gives vitality to the to the physical body, gives uh, gives us also more disposition, more will. Um, and there are many names that have been used to to name this uh, this energy. And maybe some of the listeners might have heard this before. But uh, the Chinese call it chi, the Japanese call it ki, the Hindus call it prana, akasha. Sometimes on the Western Hemisphere we call it. Uh, vital energies, vital fluid, animal magnetism, orgone, if somebody has read anything about Wilhelm Reich. So, uh, so this energy we can learn to control and to develop and really sort of like the, um, like the glue that holds the astral body with which we do the out of body experiences, holds the astral body and keeps it together to the physical body. So if these energies that are the glue between these two bodies, if they are a little bit more loose, more flexible, more free-flowing, then it is easier to control the disconnection and have an out-of-body experience. But if these energies are a little bit more more stuck, more out of shape, more unflexible, more rusty, maybe the better term in English, then it becomes a little bit harder to have out-of-body experiences. And again, unfortunately, because of lack of information, because really it's no, no fault of ours, it's more than anything classic Western education, because most people don't know about them, the end, and, and because of lack of use, the energies tend to become a little bit more rusty, and then it becomes a little bit harder to have out-of-body experiences. And then we need to do sort of like uh, energetic exercises to develop or to recover the normal flexibility of the of the energies. Sometimes I say that it's a little bit similar like when somebody broke, um, you know, an arm and they spent four or five weeks in a cast and when they remove the cast, you know, we're not able to move the arm or the wrist, for example, simply because of lack of use. And then it's going to take maybe about four or five weeks for the person you know, doing exercises to be able to recover the normal functionality of the of the arm. Sometimes it takes a little bit less. Sometimes it takes a little bit more. But it's basically the same uh, the same analogy. So when I say working with energies, what we do is, you know, we try to to feel the energies inside of us. And there are different procedures we can send them out through our through our through our chakras or through our energy centers and that's what we call the exteriorization or externalization we can also bring them in and that would be the absorption 
and we can also do the mobilization, which is basically running the energies inside our body from the head down to the feet and from the feet down to the head, and we keep on doing sort of like this yo-yo movement, you know, inside our body that activates all of our energy channels and starts to put our energies in better shape. And the control of their energies helps precisely to, you know, to disconnect the out of the, the, you know, the astral body from the, from the physical body. Also, sometimes when we are, have activated a little bit more the energies, we can enter into this state that is called of the vibrational state, which really what we're feeling is internal vibrations inside of us. Sometimes people, when they have actually a spontaneous out-of-body experience, they're woken up in the middle of the night with this vibration. It feels almost like a mini earthquake, but really nothing is happening around them. It's just happening inside of them. And then from this mini earthquake or this vibrational condition, the person ends up disconnecting and having an out-of-body experience. And, and this is really a very classical sensation of the, of the OBEs, this... Um, you know, these, these, these internal vibrations. So that's what I mean by working with energies. It's really sort of like, a, of course, there are a lot, a lot more details, but it's really like practicing with the energies to recover the control and the, and the functionality of the energy system. Okay, but there's different, you know, there's different techniques that you write about in the book, and there's quite a few of them. I, there's, yeah. you know, door opening technique, step counting technique, projective images technique, you know, carbon dioxide technique, rhythmic breathing technique, which I guess yoga is related to, pineal gland. I mean, so you gotta talk a little bit, and I know Ooh. I'm, you know, a little bit about maybe your favorite technique since you know, we're limited in time and, you know, talk my listeners through, you know, different, I think, you know, different techniques like, you know, the carbon dioxide technique. I, yeah. I, I guess you're altering your breathing. Am I correct? Or That's right. That's right. So let's, let's talk about that one because you're, you're, you're correct. I, I, I wish we had, you know, an entire week to talk about all of them, but let's, uh, let's talk about the, the carbon dioxide and let's go with that one in more detail. Okay. The, the, the first, uh, the first aspect really would be to work with energies, like I was saying, you know, to try to send the energies out and to bring them into your body so that the energy system is a little bit more warmed up. So, but after this warming up of the energy system, then you lie down, and in the case of the carbon dioxide technique, what you want is you want to increase the concentration of carbon dioxide in your body, because what that does basically is that puts your body to sleep, and what you want is to put your body to sleep and for your astral body to disconnect and go out with awareness. Now, uh, just a couple of things here. I, I, I don't want listeners to confuse carbon dioxide with carbon monoxide. <laughs> because ah, no, I've had, good idea. <laughs> yes, I've had students that sometimes are very worried when they hear the carbon dioxide, you know, uh, uh, phrase. So carbon dioxide is a benign gas that we have in our system all the time. And really all we want to do is increase the concentration of carbon dioxide um, in our system, you know, um, and diminish the one of oxygen, basically. And also giving a little bit of a reference, uh, in, you know, past centuries, the reason why many times shamans or, you know, practitioners of different kinds, they would go and they would do their mystical practices, you know, in caves, 
was because empirically they would notice that it would work better. But the part of the reason why it works better in a cave as opposed to, you know, open air is because in the cave there is less flow of oxygen. It's usually more humid, and then the carbon dioxide would accumulate faster. So in our case, we don't need to go find a cave. <laughs> it's not needed, but we just simply need to breathe in the following fashion. We're going to inhale in one second. We're going to hold the breath inside our lungs for four seconds, and then we're going to exhale in two seconds. And then immediately we're going to inhale in one second, hold the breath for four, and exhale in two. So one in, holding four, exhaling two. And we keep on doing that. After we have done more or less about 10 or 12 breath respirations on one, four, two, now we're going to go and do the double. Now we're going to inhale in two seconds, hold for eight, and then exhale in four. So it's just simply the double. Now we're inhaling in two, holding for eight, releasing in four. Inhaling two, holding eight, releasing four. And then after about 10 or 15 breaths at two, eight, four, now we go to three, three, 12, six, and then we go to four, four, eight, 16. And more or less when you reach around five or six, you, uh, five, 20, 10, or six, 24, 12, you start to feel the sensations of disconnection from the body. Sometimes you can feel these vibrations that I was mentioning. Sometimes you can feel, you know, the, the falling sensation, almost as if you are falling, 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 similar to what we feel when we're waking up sometimes, that we feel that we are falling and we wake up with a little bit of a jerk. Sometimes we start to feel a lifting from the body. Sometimes we start to feel different types of tingling uh, throughout our body that um, are showing that we are already in the transitional method. And, and from this, really, we, we disconnect. But by breathing in that, uh, in that ratio, in that ratio one, four, two, and then progressively increasing that, um, you know, that the, the time, then, um, you know, that the level of carbon dioxide starts to increase, the body starts to fall asleep, and because we are aware and awake, you know, concentrated on the, on the numbers and on the breathing, we keep our awareness and we're able to float outwards from the body. And um, then you have, you get to go wherever you want to go, right? If you have control of it. That's right. Once you are outside the body, then, you know, we deal a little bit with the idea of the level of awareness. And this is a little bit what you were asking me in the other segment that uh, about the expression that we use that we call extra physical lucidity or the awareness outside the physical reality. Extra physical is a word that just simply means out of, out of the physical. So when you are outside the body, uh, your level of awareness, if you have enough level of awareness, then you can control where you want to go. You can uh, choose and pick, you know, what you want to do. And then, of course, comes the very interesting, I would say, conversation on why would people do it? What are the benefits, right, of having out-of-body experiences? You know, what do you get out of them? <laughs> well, you know, it's again, I mentioned before that because we're in a in an age of new technology, you know, there's so many things like virtual life and all those games yes. and all of those kind of stuff. You know, you don't have to do it via technology. You could do it via your own, you know, traveling potential, right? <laughs> In, in, to a certain extent, yes, yes, you can do it without technology, but there are, there are several other things that, at least so far, technology cannot, 
uh, emulate. Like, for example, one of the biggest benefits of leaving the body is for people to overcome the fear of death. Because, unfortunately, in this day and age, the, even with all the technology and, you know, scientific advancements that we have, fear of death is still very predominant indeed. But the moment that the person can have an out-of-body experience and they can confirm on their own, on their own skin, on their own experience, hey, I exist outside my body. I have all of my memories. I am myself. There is some aspect of myself that is going to continue existing independent of which religion or what are my beliefs, my own experience shows me that I will be, you know, fine once I am outside the body. This helps the, helps the person to relax itself with this fear and also makes them more effective in the course of their life because wow. now they don't have this, this block, so to speak. Well, that sounds like it's um, a very good reason to practice out-of-body experience, um, you know, <laughs> in yes. itself. So we're going to take one more commercial break. Um, we're going to come back for one last segment with Luis Monero, where we're talking about his book, Demystifying OBE. And um, for more information, you could go to the website, the, you know, um, Learn OBEs. Dot com and um, more when we come back. You certainly are a star of PR. I'm glad that we have you on the show. <laughs> Don't go away, and we'll hear more from Luis. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Movie premieres, TV specials, radio shows, film festivals, restaurant openings, fashion shows, charity events, product launches, parties, media training. At VR Public Relations, we do everything except make empty promises. Grand openings, crisis management, speaking engagements, television, movies, radio shows. VR Public Relations gets the job done, whether it's an intimate party or a huge film festival. In fact, you've probably seen our work in the New York Times, on the evening news, CNN, and the morning shows. Now, it's time for us to assist you. Turn saleability into profitability with the help of VR Public Relations. Visit us online at www.vrpublicrelations.com or call 1-818-783-3307. Movie premieres, charity events, TV specials, radio shows. VR Public Relations. We do it all. www.vrpublicrelations.com. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where you're Opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Cindy Rakowitz has won more awards than she can hang on her wall, including three Clios. Call in now at 1 866 472 5788 and you can have one. Okay, maybe not. But she will answer your questions. Back to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Back in our final segment, and we're talking to Luis Monero about, um, you know, um, out of body experiences. I think the first three segments were kind of fascinating, and I encourage you to go back and listen to the last three segments um, to 
see if maybe you can relate to having an out-of-body experience. Um, Louise is a fascinating person. He graduated with honors in chemistry um, from Florida International University and has been, you know, sort of leading um, topics about out-of-body experiences um, for quite some time. And I know that he lectures all over the world, and um, you have a center right here in Culver City, am I right? Yes, that's right. Here in the United States, we have one here in Culver City in Los Angeles, and one in New York, and one in Miami. Um, you know, and I'm sure that you're expanding, and um, maybe this will all make the world a better place. You were talking about techniques before. We went through some of the breathing techniques. And then in your book, um, Demystifying um, the Outer Body Experience, you know, you talk about a lot of things that, you know, um, it's, you know, the terms are sort of, hard to understand, but you mentioned the fear of death in the last segment, and I know that you talk about deactivation of the bodies and um, something that's called deactivation of the soma, which is known as biological death. So how do you deactivate, since you talked about the fact that this can help a person conquer some of the fears about death? Right, right. Well, uh, the the term deactivation of the soma is just a synonym of biological death. And um, it's not that in the book I have a technique on how to do it or on how to die, no. But what, what I am doing in the book more than anything is that I am explaining the process by which people pass away. And, um, and if, you know, what we see is that with the out-of-body experience, we can have a perspective that is very different for a lot of different things that we study, you know, in society or, you know, in, in, in science. But also we can have a perspective about the transition that is the deactivation or, or, or the death. Soma is a word that just simply means body. So deactivation of the soma means the deactivation of a body. So just to, to give you, to give, and to give the listeners, you know, an idea, if we are outside the body, if we are aware, conscious, lucid, and we are ourselves, we can go, for example, to, let's say, to a hospital, and to observe the process by which people pass away. And then you're going to, you know, see the entire scene. You're going to see them disconnecting from their physical body. You're going to see the light that many of them describe in near-death experiences that they see or the tunnel of light. We can follow them, and we can see where they are going. And if we wish, we can come back. And unfortunately, in hospitals, probably in five minutes, somebody else is going to be... uh, checking out, so to speak. So we can follow a second person and a third person. And what happens is that after you have done this five or ten times, really you have taken away the mystery of the transition because you you have much more experience with, with death. And um, I would say probably one of the biggest uh, benefits of the out-of-party experiences are precisely these, the ones that deal more with the inner development of the person losing the fear of death, understanding better what is our purpose here in life, uh, meeting relatives that have already passed away, um, improving our own condition. To to a certain extent, really, um, the effects are pretty much the same as the effects that people who undergo a near-death experience have that after they are died for a few minutes, you know, clinically, and once they come back, 
they are much better people, they are more humane, they try to help other people more, um, they have lost the fear of death, they know better what to do with their life, they have a greater sense of direction, they are more confident, they're more effective, more spontaneous. Really, there is a, a, a list of things that these individual, the individuals usually present and, and, and show. And the same thing happens with the, with the out-of-body experience. <clears throat> Indeed. Well, no, I, I think that, well, we all fear what we don't know, and if you know yes. more about it, you're not going to fear it, right? You're, you're absolutely correct. That, that's exactly the, the, the idea, you know, that we can, we can get to know this, and in a very, again, in a very controlled, safe, and, you know, realistic, direct fashion. Okay, well, since we only have, um, you know, another you know, six minutes or so together, I want you to talk about what you think is most important in terms of the next chapters of the book. Because after you talk about, um, you know, the deactivation of the SOMA, um, you know, and, you know, people becoming familiar with what happens um, right. in this in this process, you go into a lot of other things. And I, to me, I don't know what I don't know what's most relevant because I, as, a, as I admitted at the beginning of the show, I really know very, very little about this, but fascinated by it. So, you know, I don't know what you might want to point to in yeah. terms of all of these terms. I see a lot of soma terms, but you know, there's a lot of other terms like evolutionary criteria that fascinates me. So, you tell me what you think is you know, most relevant so people can go and maybe pick up the book and want to know more. Sure, sure. There are a couple of things, I guess, I would mention. One of them, more generally speaking, is you're going to see on the introduction that I say on the book, don't believe in anything, not even in what is written in this book, but experiment, have your own experiences. And in our classes, we say the same thing. Don't believe in us. We are not an institution that is based on belief, but do your own experiments. Have your own experiences. And, and this helps a lot. This helps with the issue of corroboration. This helps, uh, you know, because certainly we're not based on any religion or anything, but it's a, a study that is a little bit more realistic and direct and based on observations, I would say. So keep that in mind. Another thing that I would that I would say is in page I think ninety two of the book I, I now I don't remember there is a list of the sensations that we feel when we are having out of body experiences and then some of them I know we spoke about but it would be interesting for people to to go through them because just like you were saying Cindy before um, many of them are probably going to realize that either when they were falling asleep or waking up in the morning that they have already felt many of these sensations, and because of that, they're going to realize that they were already in the transitional, you know, um, stage of either having an out-of-body experience or coming back in the in the morning, uh, because it, it, basically we all disconnect as we are sleeping. We basically are about two or three inches away from the physical body as we're sleeping every night. And this is something that when we have out-of-body experiences and we go and we see, I don't know, people who are sleeping close by to us, you know, our husband, our daughter, etc., 
our our sun, we're going to see them, that they are floating above their body, you know, uh, basically the entire night. So part of what we want with the out-of-body experience is to be able to take advantage of that time while the physical body rests for us to do other things and to learn, to experience, and to develop. So that was a, a second point. And the third point, now going into even what you were mentioning there, evolutionary criteria, is that one of the, I guess, biggest advantages as well of the out-of-body experience is trying to understand this that people call our life task or our life purpose. And what we see when we have out-of-body experiences is that uh, souls or spirits, whatever name we want to give ourselves, Many, many individuals, many souls, before they are born into this physical life, they plan the main, the main tasks, the main objectives, the main projects that they want to accomplish in this physical life. And then with the out-of-body experience, we can go out and gather information that is going to help us to understand what was my initial intention for deciding to come into this physical life in the first place. And then, um, generally speaking, one of the one of the things that people want to do as they come into their physical life is they want to grow, they want to evolve, they want to become better people, in essence. And that's where the idea of evolutionary criteria comes in. You know, what are the the, the criteria that the person is considering beforehand that are going to help the person to become a better person? And is that, is that, Louise, sort of, a, you know, related to reincarnation, past life, perhaps? Yes. It, okay. it, it, it has some relation to that, indeed. But um, because we see that, uh, you know, when we leave the body, you can see, just like you can see, let's say, in a hospital, people checking out. Maybe this might be a more interesting homework for our listeners. You know, uh, they can be on one floor of the hospital and they can see people checking out. They can go to another floor of the hospital to the maternity guard and they can study and observe the way by which souls check in. All right. Well, listen, we have to wrap up and I really appreciate you spending the hour with us. Um, I want people My to pleasure. go check out the website learnobes.com. Luis, you are, um, you know, fascinating and I think a lot of people might be interested in this. So I want people to go out and, you know, go to the website, maybe take a look at the book, Demystifying Outer Body Experience or OBE, um, or maybe check out the International Academy of Consciousness. So thank you, Luis. Thank you. Thank you, Cindy, for the opportunity. All right. Everybody take care and I will see everybody in two weeks. Everybody take care. Be safe. Thank you for listening to Stars of PR with Cindy R. Please come back next Thursday and every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern for more insider information on the world of public relations with Cindy Rakowitz on Stars of PR. See you next week. I am an American Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. 
The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 